Have you ever wanted to wish away the holidays? Maybe because you feel overwhelmed by it all, or worse yet, you believe that when you gather with family, it will just be too difficult. Family conflict is inevitable, so if we can't avoid it, how do we manage it better? And how do we find a way to come together without damaging what is sometimes an already tenuous relationship? I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And in today's episode of The Grand Life, we explore ways to improve our family get-togethers in order to lessen the chance that someone walks away angry or alienated. Mike and I are happy to welcome back Dr. Emily Williams to the podcast. Dr. Williams is a licensed psychologist and owner of Silver Maple Psychology, a private practice in Indianapolis, Indiana. She helps high-achieving, stressed-out women in their 40s and 50s tackle their to-do lists while they effectively navigate relationships with their children, partners, and aging parents. Before we begin, we want to thank all the listeners who have been writing reviews and rating our podcast. We consider this a wonderful holiday gift to us. And please keep it up. Every rating and every review helps others to get to know us. We thank you. Emily, we've gotten through the first of two major holidays for many of us, and there are people all over the world, of course, who celebrate many other occasions that bring families together. So I guess it's time for us to review how we should act when we gather. (laughs) It's not always easy for sure, and it seems like it's easier to be around friends than it is family. Why is that? We don't choose our family. <laughs> our family members are assigned to us at birth or adoption. Um, and, and, and I think that's a really important consideration in mm. that with our friends, we often choose people who have similar interests, similar values, and life circumstances. And when I think about families, I think sometimes it's the luck of the draw. Yeah. Um, like assigned seats at a wedding or being assigned like at a class group project. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, you, you win and others, it's just, it, it's really tricky. It's making me um, think about that phrase, accident of birth. <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So I think that, that that's a very simple explanation, but often an accurate one. That's a good thought. I hadn't even thought about that. Although I think we did have one family member once who said to us, if I hadn't been related to you, I probably wouldn't be your friend. Oh my goodness. Yes. We'll cover that one later on how to respond to that. (laughs) Yeah. We didn't know how to respond, but it was memorable and we still remember it. Um, You know, is it common for us to, as family members, to slip back into our respective roles, like uh, the birth order, the oldest taking the responsibility, the middle one, you know, whatever, the youngest one kind of going off and doing their own thing. Um, Personality quirks, we kind of we all know each other well enough, like, you know, your siblings and... You... And you know where their buttons are and you know how to push those buttons. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty common, isn't oh, it? It is. And, and there are two very important reasons why. One, you have to remember that we are, at heart, we're animals and we have evolved to be a community species, right? And we'll, so we all have roles that we need to play like the oldest child, the the matriarch, all of these roles have positive and not so positive traits. Mm. It's not really a good or a bad thing. It's just really important to remember that it just happens and it helps us get along and get to know each other. When we grow up and we leave these families of origin, we change, we evolve, we encounter new people, different systems, different mm-hmm. ways of being. 
But when we get back together for those holiday gatherings, there is this invisible pull, um, which is, is biological in nature, and it will suck us right back in to those old patterns. Yeah. And in dysfunctional family systems, this is the last thing I'll say, is that in dysfunctional family systems, those family roles are very rigid. Mm-hmm. And if a person tries to break out of them, you may get punished um, or people will tell you, you can't possibly change mm-hmm. because that's a threat to the system. Yeah, yeah. It can be very threatening and scary. Mm-hmm. And for many of us, that feels very uncomfortable. And so we'll get the subtle or not so subtle message, change back. Let's talk a little bit about how we, you know, we learn to avoid conflict when we're together with our families. We try really hard to not talk about politics or, you know, religion or any of that stuff because it's just, you know, it can cause problems. But what about, like, I think this is so interesting, sibling dynamics when I've noticed with our kids, they, adult kids, they get together and they all have different ways of dealing with their own children. So they've got cousins who are being, you know, their, their, their children's cousins are being disciplined or not disciplined in certain ways. And it makes it really hard when they all come together because they're, you know, the kids are picking up on things from other kids. They're saying things they never usually, they don't usually say, they do things they don't usually do. (laughs) And it seems to cause some problems in the, in the gathering. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, How many times have we been at family gatherings where we thought we were in safe territory and suddenly, um, what I would recommend when you have this happen, because it happens to all of us is start by embracing this idea that disagreements and different ways of doing things, this is a common event and it's actually encouraged. We need there to be many different ways to do things well. And disagreements don't have to be contentious or cause problems, but you are right that we may be avoiding politics and religion, but our lived values, Mm. how we parent and whatnot, that comes out in our behaviors and our choices. Right. And there's a very stark difference between disagreeing with how someone is parenting and like judging them or using this moment to um, disagree or shall we say instruct a sibling Mm -hmm. on a better way. Yeah. <laughs> to parent or something that makes us uncomfortable. And so I'm curious, it, um, what has your experience been in this situation and how have you handled it? Well, I mean, I, I didn't experience so much with my own sisters. I think we, we all kind of were brought up the same way and we all kind of went ahead and brought our children up that way. But I think there, there are a lot more differences now with kids. You know, they, that some of them have very specific ideas and some don't. And they, I think what, I guess the way I would want to handle it is say, okay, your niece or nephew is just a niece and nephew. It's not your child. So you have no responsibility for them. I guess the hardest part is when it's, it's kind of like secondhand smoke. It comes, it kind of creeps into your own children and then you're kind of like, all right, what do I do? Because that's not how I would handle it. I don't really want my children to see that. But, you know, I mean, that happens on a playground. That happens in places where it isn't a family member. It does. 
And um, this is where I'm going to borrow from uh, Dr. Becky Kennedy, who does a lot of work with children um, and parenting. And one of the things that she'll say is that a parent after an event like that, where maybe they've seen a child playing Fortnite for seven hours and they're like, why don't I get to play Fortnite for seven Mm -hmm. hours? Um, that the parent might say, isn't it interesting that there are so many different ways to parent well? And that's just not how we do things in our home. But isn't it great for them? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And and to to, to redirect it. Um, And similarly to your point about um, when you have siblings who interact um, and maybe one feels a little bit insecure because they let their children watch television and another one has never let their child see a bit of TV in the seven years they've been alive. Yeah. Then you can allow that to just be the case and recognize that that's about the other person's parenting. Right. And it does not reflect on your own. Right. So you don't let that insecurity, like if they're eating candy and you don't allow candy, then just, you know, stay, stay with what you believe and don't make judgments about the person who's sitting beside you. Unless you are in charge of their dental bills. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness we are not. We were done with that. (laughs) If we feel like we have to travel to see family, is there such a thing as overstaying your welcome with family? I feel like it may be with everybody, but even with family, you say, oh, they're my family. I can stay as long as I want. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, I looked at this up and all etiquette experts agree that two to three days is the max, whether you are a guest or a family member. And I really agree with Benjamin Franklin, who said, I think he said guests are like fish. Yeah, um, they they begin to smell after about three days. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, they've done studies, and I think it, for Americans, it's under four hours that we can be with a family member for. I think this number was three hours and fifty four minutes before we need a break. Oh my goodness, that's a tiny number. I really didn't expect <laughs> that. that. Is... I wonder well, and, why and, with and, Americans, and, uh, <laughs> why Americans? Because we're just so independent. And, and, and so... what's the answer in Europe? I'd love to know. Yeah, it's interesting to look at the, the stats on this. But since one in four family members have reported hiding in a relative's home, <laughs> to, you know, <laughs> you know to, to take a break and have some quiet. Yeah, um, I, I think it's actually pretty common, but it may be. I think it. It strikes at something within us that we feel that we shouldn't feel tired or worn down. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that we get tired. We get overstimulated. People have different ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. And we need a rest. Yeah. Well, that is fascinating. And and I've thought about three days is usually about our, our max. But sometimes we stay. Because when you travel far, you feel like, well, I came all this way. I think we should stay. <laughs> so I guess one of the things I've thought about is that when you start to stay too long, you should start cleaning or doing something that's helpful in the in the house so that you're not just a, you know, a, a, an unwelcome guest. But doesn't that open the door to, but that's not how I clean. And well, that's, that's true. And if, you could, if you could do it this way, it would be so much better. Yeah, that's true. It mm. can cause conflict. Oh, it can. <laughs> uh, if, if For those who are in extended stay situations, I will often encourage my clients to have periods of togetherness and then take breaks. Yeah, that's a great I'm idea. Go to my go room to the mall. and take a nap. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just, well, I have to run an errand or whatever. <laughs> and what, what we've done is all the nuclear families will will scatter, will will mm-hmm. separate for a day and go off and do independent things mm-hmm. and then come back at or after dinner. Mm-hmm. 
You know, for some of us, especially if you're introverted, family gatherings, large ones are just too much. And like you said, you have to find a place to hide. But what if you don't even want to be a part of the family tradition of getting together for a holiday? I mean, what if we just want to be with our own family and not with the whole gang? How do you deal with that kind of pressure when people start pressuring you? You know, your mom, your dad, people start pressuring you. You've got to come back. You've got to be here. You're the only ones who aren't going to come. Yeah. It's just not going to be the same if you're not there. Oh, yes. All of those bids for connection, they are so hard to resist, aren't mm-hmm. they? Yeah. The questions beneath the questions mm-hmm. are, is it okay for me to tell you what I need and want? Um, does this make me selfish or an unloving child or family member? And will I still be loved and accepted by my family if I prioritize myself or do something different? Hmm. Yeah, those are definitely things that are underneath. Yeah, exactly. And so sometimes we'll be very afraid to tell the truth to a loved one about what we're needing. Mm -hmm. And so if you're in this situation, my recommendation is try to communicate those needs and also validate your family member that they're going to be disappointed that you're not going to be there. Yeah. I think it's wonderful that they're going to love you and miss you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that's okay to say too, right? Because I know we had um, one of our kids couldn't come for Thanksgiving and I I really didn't know exactly how to handle this in terms of like, I wanted to tell them we miss them very much and we're really sorry they're not here, but I didn't want to give them a guilt trip over it. So I was always like, should I, should I text and say, we're having, you know, we're doing stuff and we really, really miss you or should I just leave it? not say anything. What if we did both? It's, I love you. I miss you. Here's an amazing picture of us. And I'm very proud of you for recognizing what you needed Mm. and trusting me enough to tell me that it just wasn't going to happen this year. I look forward to seeing you next time. Great. Well, that's a good thought. I didn't even think to do that. <laughs> so I, I will let them know. I mean, I was proud of them and I am happy that they, they just had a baby. They're not going to travel, right? That's just crazy. <laughs> um, so we've been traveling to them back and forth and doing things for them because it's it's a time of need for them, not us. Um, all right. Well, here's another thing. What if there's an issue like you've got step parents, parents, grandparents, you've got all these people you need to kind of accommodate when it comes to a holiday. Um, maybe they live an hour away each, you know, like a little triangle of an hour each way, or maybe they live 15 minutes away, or maybe they live five hours away. What are some suggestions if we don't want to travel the whole time and we have a limited time off and we have to pick and choose? How many times have you been in this situation? <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of your listeners can resonate Absolutely. with the pull to be everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. I would say that we first have to accept that it is not possible to please everyone. That we may have infinite love, but we do not have infinite time or energy. Right. And so people will be potentially disappointed or hurt by the choices that we make. And what I found is that for many of us who are caregivers and the peacekeepers, 
having to disappoint someone hurts. Yeah. It, it leads to such discomfort. And so sometimes we'll run ourselves ragged trying to please and, and support everyone yeah. at our own expense. So what I would say instead is first recognize, oh, I feel this pull to please and be there. And I love all these folks and be really honest with myself about what my limits are Mm -hmm. and try to set some realistic expectations for myself and then share those with your family and um, recognize that the ones who may be disappointed this time, maybe we set up something on a different day or a different holiday um, to make up that time. Yeah. And I, I do think that grandparents in general need to be more flexible. I know with our own adult children, we've had to say, okay, you know, if we can't do it on the day of Thanksgiving, we'll do it two days later, or we'll do it, you know, whenever you want to do it, whenever we can accommodate. So it requires a little bit of a stretch and a little bit of flexibility. But if you're just sticking with a tradition and you're like, it has to be this way, then I think you're just asking for trouble. You're asking for things to go badly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I think that one of the things that is so hard about holidays in general is that I have expectations mm-hmm. of how I think things are going to go. And they often don't meet up with reality yeah. or, or other people's expectations. And if I'm very, very honest about that, I recognize that in order to move past that, I sometimes have to grieve this vision that I had for the reality of what is. And, and learn that there, again, going back to there are many ways to do things well. Yeah. And, and perhaps, perhaps we can celebrate that holiday on, on a Saturday or right. a Tuesday. Right. Yeah. Um, I and agree. the important thing is being together. Yeah. And it, it does sound like the crux of everything is that we're communicating. Like it, it, you can't just keep it all in and think, oh, somebody's going to read my mind or they're going to know what I'm thinking about this. We just need to say our piece. We need to say what it is that we're feeling and thinking. Correct? Absolutely. And this goes back to if you come from a family where you had people read your mind, mm-hmm. like that was actually part of those internal family maps, this gets you into a lot of trouble. Yes. <laughs> like if you loved me, child, you would know what I want and I wouldn't have to tell you what I want for Christmas. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> What is the best way to handle it if things do go badly? Let's assume they go badly and we're at the end of our rope with family members. So what are our good choices? Because, I mean, you know, the bad choice I know is to stomp out of the house and say, we're never coming back and we're so angry with you. And I mean, that happens. What's a better way to handle that? Um, Okay, so we're going to rule out the not so helpful methods, like you said. So, you know, uh, drinking too much, throwing things, (laughs) you know, name calling. Um, Oftentimes it is let's, we set a boundary um, or a limit and it sounds something like this. Hmm. I I think I need to take a pause. Um, I'm getting really overwhelmed. Um, I need to take a break or even just, I need to take a break. This is not going great. Mm -hmm. And you step away. Um, This is so hard to do. This is why it needs a lot of practice. So actually, I think grandparents are often really good at this because we've lived long enough. Yes. (laughs) We've got some wisdom about what is worth fighting over versus not. Um, And and we we take a break. In some families, they'll say, you know what? I love you. And this is not... 
this is not a good use of our time. I'm going to go home and I'll touch base with you in a couple days after things have cooled down. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a good choice. No good resolution is going to happen in that moment when we're really heated and our prefrontal cortex has gone offline. Emily, so much of the advice that you're giving is so focused on the here and the now and doing what needs to be done uh, to resolve the, the issue without bringing a bunch of other externals. And what I'm thinking about here is it's very tempting to look at an unanticipated conflict and, and then uh, go down the road of why is this happening? You know, we didn't raise them like that, or we didn't know they were going to be like that. Or what happened to these children since the last time they were here? Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. It is so tempting to sort to, to try to dig into the origins of this. Your advice really stays away from that. Why is this? When there's conflict, it's often much easier for us to go back into a cognitive thought process. Why are they the way they are? But, and that pulls us away from just how uncomfortable it feels to be in conflict with our loved one or to see them behaving in ways that we don't like or that scare us. And maybe it promises some kind of control. If you can figure this out, then you can control or, or resolve or avoid or whatever, which may not be true, right? Absolutely. Well, if I go cognitive and I create a whole story, my child is this way because they married this person and they or they're reading some new okay, book. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and all of a sudden now I have a beginning, middle and end story to why they are behaving this way. Yeah. And it makes me feel better. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Interesting. But That's it does pull answer. you away. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, this it is, pulls you away from the conflict. Absolutely. It. And it's a it's an overthinking. It's a it's a way to get in your head, which I think I think both of us are kind of like that. We do that. And it is. An, it's because it's how we focus our energy so that. Like you're saying, when you're uncomfortable, you can pull it back in and be like, okay, I'm going to think about this now <laughs> and really not deal with the thing in hand, whatever it is. So, man, those are great. Those are great pieces of advice, Emily. We, we really appreciate it because this holiday is creeping up on us quickly and we just need to rethink and not rethink maybe, I don't know, just we need to just be present and be there for the people that we love and try to work things out so that we can have a good holiday. What I would like to say about, about this specific thing is that I see so many people preparing for holidays and they think about the food, the gifts, um, the housing, you know, all of that prep, but they, we often don't spend enough time thinking about how do I want to show up? How do I want to present? What will I do when the children are too loud? Yeah. <laughs> and um, how will I cope when I'm, I feel sad or I'm angry or I'm overwhelmed with joy? As a psychologist, those are the areas where I will help clients prepare for that. And so that they're able to be fully emotionally present and respond in the moment. Well, that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And I hope you have a happy holiday as it's coming up and enjoy your family. Thank you. I hope you do as well. It's always good to have Dr. Williams on the show. I really appreciate her wisdom and 
you know, thoughtfulness about how to do things and how to manage with family this time. That was a great, those were some great suggestions. And it is time to really think hard about these things and prepare. Like yeah. she said at the end there, prepare. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guilty of that. I sometimes don't, I prepare all the other stuff, but I don't think about, you know, how am I going to react when things happen? And the thing about family is it's often the same stuff over and over again. It's not like anything new. It's not like we don't know what's coming. <laughs> yeah, I suppose not. Although, you know, children grow and change and they, yeah. they inject a different dynamic as they get older. That's true. But I mean, if you're keeping in touch with them, maybe not so much. It doesn't seem so different. One of the things that I really loved, and this kind of goes back to my essays called The Stretch It Takes, the idea of looking at life with a yes and attitude instead of a no but attitude. So you're you're not looking at it in an antagonistic way. You're just looking, you're embracing and you're saying yes to things. And you're saying and meaning two things can be true. Like one person can be doing something well and the other person can be doing something well and they're different things. Or they're the same thing done in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I think for our generation, that kind of stretch is difficult and requires a lot of practice and we have to be open. And I think the idea of yes and is kind of borrowed from improvisational exercises that they do with actors. I mean, think about that. <laughs> They're given a scenario and then don't they just have to kind of throw themselves in? There's no script. There's no lines. Uh, they are literally making it up as they go along. And whatever one actor proposes, I'm standing next to a tree. The other one is yes. And yes, that tree has coconuts falling off of it, hitting <laughs> me in the head. Back to the first actor. Yes. And it turns out your head is a lot harder than a than a coconut or whatever. <laughs> whatever right? it is, the thing is you're not correcting the person and saying, there's not a coconut tree. I want it to be something else. It's the yes and part, the back and forth, which I love and I think uh, I have not practiced enough. I, we just need to keep practicing that because I think it is really, really important for us as grandparents as things continue to change, ideas change, philosophies change, and we just have to embrace. We have to be willing to... Uh, accept change. And I think that will make for a better holiday altogether. So from our home to yours, we are saying happy holidays. We hope everything goes well. Keep practicing. <laughs> and whatever comes your way, please try to remember that you are able to do this. You can be um, flexible. You can evolve. And we'll all have a happier holiday if we all do that. In the meantime, I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us in living the grand life. Next time on The Grand Life. So as an animal communicator, I firmly believe that animals understand everything that we say. And when we're talking, we are emitting mental images. When we talk to our pets out loud, we're actually forming pictures to them that they then understand. That's next time on The Grand Life.